Hello and welcome to another episode of the Views How do from I plug this the... in? Does it plug in the back? No, it just, it just, yeah, right in the back there. Yeah, just, just plug it in there. Sorry, guys, we're we're training a new guy on how to do these intros today, and so it's a little bit of a mess over here. Uh, but as I was saying, hello and welcome to another episode of the Views from the Safety Car Podcast. My name is Paul, and today is another three-host episode. I'll be joined by Remy and Doug later on today, and we'll be talking about the Austrian Grand Prix. I love Austria. All right, well, if you're going to keep butting in like that, maybe you can tell them a little bit about what this episode has. Yes, it's a great episode. You guys talk about famous Austrians, a bit about the track, and the history of Red Bull, and you guys argue about syllables again for the 100th time. All right, well, you heard the man. It's going to be a good episode. Uh, so without any further delay, please sit back and please enjoy this episode of else. You guys uh, ever been to Austria before? Yep, I have. I took a very quick trip uh, through Austria with my dad on a on a trip through uh Switzerland, Liechtenstein, and Germany as well, uh, probably when I was about 13 or 14 or so. But don't have much interesting to recall from my trip to Austria because we were only there for two days. How about you, Doug? Uh, yeah, I have been. Uh, I was there with my family as well. Uh, it was just my parents and, and Libby. Uh, and uh, I mean, it was we only spent a couple days uh, in Salzburg. Uh, it was beautiful, uh, but the one thing uh, that's kind of important to do when you're in Salzburg is something related to the sound of music. Uh, and so we did a bike tour. Uh, and <laughs> did you guys sing? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sure we did. Uh, mm -hmm. I, the part of the tour, we had a guide who... Uh, brought like a speaker with him and we're on these bikes and we're cruising along through like the fields of Salzburg and he's like all right who wants the speaker next and uh and uh this lady in our in our group uh, said can I'll take the speaker and he puts it in her basket uh bikes had a basket next thing we know we're 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 ready to go we're taking off and and the song hills are alive come on of course and, kid you not right as we take off it goes into like the hills are alive and then all of a sudden just smack she flips over the front of her bike right at this moment down a hill because she hits the front brakes on the on the bike and in it was actually not a great scene it was pretty bad but the timing of it just could not have been more funny it's beautiful cinematic i'd say the hills truly are alive yeah, it was, yeah. It was they reached up and grabbed her. Yeah, I've all actually right. been to uh, Austria too myself. I've been to Austria for all of uh, let's say fifteen minutes. I I went up to uh, I went up to uh, the the what, I think it's the tallest mountain in Germany in Zugspitze, which is uh, on the Austrian German border, and um, it's pretty cool. Uh, you could just walk into Austria up there. You need to take a um, not a gondola i guess it is a gondola it's, it's like um it's held up by like one pole and then there's just a cable that goes right up to the top um and that's probably the highest altitude that i've ever personally been at because i was having trouble just walking i, I was a pretty fit person at the time when i went this is a few years back and uh yeah it was uh it's definitely noticeable you, you you can't breathe up there up, up top but super scenic and um completely different weather than what we had um on the ground so i'm actually kind of surprised that the three of us have all been to austria i was kind of expecting maybe maybe one of us i didn't expect all three who's who who would have been the least likely paul <laughs> i don't know i mean i think that you would you would be most likely and that i'd say least likely would be between doug and i yeah doug's pretty well traveled though hey i mean we've been learning he's been we've been learning through him vicariously about you know wine and uh, everything that the sommelier is saying <laughs> that's true yeah 
Well, I'm excited for this um, this weekend. The um, we have the Austrian Grand Prix coming up. Of course, that's why we're talking about Austria. And um, yeah, it's a it's a very scenic track uh, for people that have seen it before. And um, I know there's a lot to know about the country there. So, Remy, what do you got? Yeah, so Austria, country that's apparently very well visited, um, seeing as all <laughs> three of us have have been there. Right. And none of us, none of us even mentioned skiing. Uh, interestingly enough, I, that's what I think the the number one tourist attraction in Austria, mm-hmm. and none of us mentioned having skied there. Um, so of course, it's a country in in Central Europe. I mean, being in Central Europe, located where it is, there's a ton of history, um, and lots of you know turmoil and turnover that have happened within Austria. I mean, just think about it. We, we've got the the Holy Roman Empire. Um, we've got the, the Habsburgs, uh, mm. two, two of which have had, uh, two of family members have had fa- uh, famous deaths that I'm going to talk about maybe a little bit later. Um, you know, they were Austria hungry for a while and now they're just straight up Austria. Um, so instead of, you know, giving you some of the more, the facts about Austria itself, like, I don't know, 60% of Austrian territory is mountainous and it <laughs> belongs to the Alps. Mm-hmm. Or the Danube River flows through its capital, Vienna, which mm-hmm. maybe you want to tuck away for a quiz question <laughs> in another week. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But instead of giving you that, that kind of information, I'm going to pivot. And we're, instead of talking about Austria, today we're going to talk about Austrians. Mm. Mm-hmm. Some famous folks that are from Austria or from the Austrian Empire, as it was at the time. Mm. Um, so we're going to play a game of who am I? Okay. So I'm going to give you some facts, uh, about a person. Uh, I'm going to alternate between each of you, you know, to mm-hmm. see who can guess first. Um, and if you can't guess within a reasonable amount of time, I'll pass it off to the other person. And, you know, if neither of you can guess it, maybe there'll be an extra hint or two, but, uh, that's what we're going to play. We're going to, we're going to go for who am I? You guys ready to go? I'm not ready. This sounds so hard. Yeah, that sounds super hard. Well, Doug, I think I'm going to give you a softball just to just to just oh, to God. you know start it off on the right foot here. Since since you've been to Salzburg, this should be an easy one for you. Okay. Uh, so I am one of, if not the most prolific composer of all time. I was born and raised. In Salzburg, I say raised and I put that in quotation marks because by the age of six, I was already starting a European trip that brought me to five other countries, which is crazy to say, considering I was born in the 1760s and I died at 35. But in my short life, I wrote over 800 symphonies, concertos, operas, choral masses and more. Who am I, Doug? This this is probably the only one that I'll get. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say Mozart. Ding 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 ding. Mozart. Yes, I think probably Austria's most famous son. Wouldn't you say? I mean, I I mean Salzburg. You you went to Salzburg. I went to Salzburg. There was certainly. Uh, I I thought when you mentioned Salzburg and you said the one thing to do, I thought it was definitely going to be around Mozart. Uh, no, no. Sound of music is. Uh, actually, probably a close sec or close to to Mozart in terms of popularity. <laughs> I'm nervous for my question. You're nervous. I, I am super nervous. Okay. All right. Well, let's go for it. Paul, mm-hmm. who am I? I am a neurologist from the broader Austrian Empire. Mm-hmm. I went to the University of Vienna which, Mm -hmm. unrelated to this, happens to be the oldest university in the modern-day German-speaking world. That's completely Mm -hmm. unrelated. That's just a cool fact that, you know, I stumbled upon when I went there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, I'm the founder of psychoanalysis, and I formulated or postulated the existence of such things like the Oedipus complex and libido, amongst other things that would be dead giveaways here. Yeah, it's got to be Freud, right? Sigmund Freud, yes, exactly. So he was born in the, you know, the, the, the broader, greater Austrian Empire. Today, it is technically modern-day Czech Republic, but uh, it was Austria at the time, so we're, we're giving him the, the Czech as part of being, being part of Austria. So we're, we're both one for one here. Good job, guys. 
I'm proud of you. You, you, you guys have uh, had such little faith in yourselves. Look at us. I think I think this one uh, is is sure to. Um, I don't know. This one's sure to be a, a little bit more tricky than the first two, though. Well, I'm glad you. it's Doug's turn then. <laughs> it is Doug's turn indeed. Doug, you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. Doug, who am I? I am a Habsburg, though I never ruled as emperor. A Scottish band is named after me. They're quoted as saying, We liked the alliteration. He was an incredible figure as well. His life, or, well, at least the ending of it, was the catalyst for the Mm. complete transformation of the world, and that is what we want our music to be. But I don't want to over-intellectualize the name thing. I know who it is. Who am I? I phone a friend. I'll I'll give you a hint. It's uh, the first and last name start with F. Take me out. I'll say you don't know. I'll say. Oh, Franz Ferdinand. Got it. Look at you. That's got to be it, right? I'm impressed. I'm impressed at at the hint. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you got it. I mean, I didn't know that Franz Ferdinand was a Habsburg, though. Yeah, he was Austrian. I mean, his death, um, his assassination, I should say, in Sarajevo in uh, 1914 is what kicked off World War One. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's the major event that I guess Franz Ferdinand, the band, was trying to compare their own music to and draw their inspiration from. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. I, I don't think I would have gotten that. I mean, oh, I... I, I did, since I didn't know that it was a they were a, that Franz Ferdinand was a Habsburg, I just got it from context clues altogether. But anyways, I'll be honest. I'm I'm surprised. I didn't realize that the band was as popular as it was. I mean, I I liked that song, but it was because it was uh, I think it was a Madden song, and that's how I learned it. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't want to delve too much into this, but I was surprised as well. I mean, I went to their Spotify and I thought that that song was going to be like by far and away their top song, right? Like I'm I'm talking about like orders of magnitude, right? 10,000 times as many plays as the next songs. But they actually had a number of other songs that were like, you know, tens of millions of plays. They they were apparently very big in the UK for, for a period of time. But, did you recognize any of the songs? Sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Okay. No, I did not. Uh, I didn't. And, and whenever the second, so so I I I've spent a, uh, a good amount of time when I, driving, like in the past, I don't know, week or so, listening to "Take Me Out" by Franz Ferdinand. But I but I always go and find it via Spotify via the artist search, and then when the, whenever the next artist or whenever the next song pops up, I'm always like, "What is this? This is terrible." <laughs> anyway, Paul, it's up to you to answer this one right here. I'm okay, ready. who am I, Paul? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, incorrect. <laughs> okay. So similar to my my pal Franz, uh, I am also a Habsburg. Okay. Though I was never emperor nor empress. Uh, my mother, Maria Theresa, on the other hand, is the only Habsburg woman to have ruled. Anywho, instead, you probably thought I was French. But no, I was actually born the Archduchy of Austria. And so my death, along with the death of my family at the same time, or within a few days, also kicked off a war, but not on such a continental scale as Franz Ferdinand's. Paul, who am I? I don't know. Is this a, um, you said that they did not rule? I said that I was never emperor nor empress. Yeah, so basically, yes, I never, uh, I never ruled for the Habsburgs. Yeah, I don't know the answer to this one. I mean, maybe it's, you said French, so maybe it's somebody in French royalty or something like that that's not necessarily an emperor. Um, but I, I, I can't or get farther than got that. married into French royalty. Any guesses, uh, Doug? No. I, I, I was thinking if, 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 I, if, if, if I included a cake hint in this, it would have been too obvious, I think. Oh, Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette, exactly. Wow. Ding, 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 ding. She was uh, a Habsburg as well. A cake? What does cake have to do with it? Let them eat cake. Oh. Mm-hmm. Come on, Doug. You got to think a little bit there. Let them eat cake. It's it's rumored that Mozart, a, a very young and uh, very young Mozart, and a very young Marie Antoinette met actually 
in uh, in Vienna when they were both about eight years old because they were born only about six months apart. All right, let's go on to the final um, official uh, person that I'm going to ask. I have a bonus as well, but uh, let's go to the final official official person. This one's up for grabs for either of you to guess first. Um, so we are what, Arnold Schwarzenegger what's the score right now. We are we, right now. It is two to one, Paul. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> two to one, Paul. I believe. Okay, here we go. Yeah. I am a biologist from the. Wait, I don't get a point for Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, he gets a point for Franz Ferdinand. It's tied. Yeah, well, no, Doug's winning, is he not? Oh, Doug's winning. Actually, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to trying to rig the score here. You know, I got I got uh, people betting on this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so um, I am a biologist from the Greater Austrian Empire, and I am known as the father of genetics due to my work with pea Mandel. plants. Gregor ding, Mendel. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, I am known as the father of genetics due to my work with pea plants, in which I established the rules of heredity. Uh for extra point, Paul. What are the two terms that are very much associated with genetics with Mendel? Genes. With the heredity. A dominant and recessive. Ding, 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 ding. And Paul takes the lead. Oh, right at the last second. He takes a three to two lead over Doug. Uh, Yes, Gregor Mendel. Also born technically in the Czech Republic and modern day Czech Republic, but it was mm-hmm. the Austrian empire at the time. So he's Austrian. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have one final bonus question and I'm going to center this. I'm going to turn this one over to Doug and uh, Doug, <laughs> this one's going to be worth two points for you. Okay. <laughs> two points. Paul is currently winning three to two as a reminder, but Doug, you can take the lead and the victory with this. So this is modern day Austrians. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh, so we are going to go with current F1 team principal. That is Austrian. That's it. That's that's the only yeah, information. Yeah, yeah. So he's the only current team principal. That's Austrian. I hope so. Well, I mean, if he's not, if he's not, then you have a twenty percent chance of guessing, then rather than a ten percent chance of guessing. So, what do you got, Doug? Uh, a few guesses. I don't know which one to go with. I don't think it's Gunther, is it? Oh. I'll I'll give you another hint. He is the team principal for a German company. Uh, that's uh, that was the other German team Toto 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 Wolf (laughs) is Austrian yes from Vienna born in Vienna wow Doug comes from behind at the last second to win the game of who am I no don't give me that (laughs) what a miracle Doug he's just so smart and he just got it at the end there I'm just so proud of him well done Doug well done to you though as well Paul Thank you. Uh, I fought hard, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, well, you know, those Austrians have fought hard as well, uh, mm-hmm. many times as well. So, But um, good job to you, and I uh, hope you all learned a little bit about six different Austrians there. All right, so thank you, Remy, for uh, making us, uh, I don't know, just have us having us teeter on the edge of feeling really, really dumb, but also accomplished. So I, th- I feel like we came out ahead on that one. Yeah, so this this race weekend is going to be in Austria. It's the 2023 Austrian Grand Prix, or more formally known as the Formula One. I'm going to test my German uh, pronunciation here. Rolex Große Preis von Österreich. <laughs> well, well you did a great job with the Rolex. Rolex. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So this is being held in the city of Spielberg, not to be confused with the director. And it's actually one of the older Grand Prix races. Started in 1963, and actually started in a um, at a at a, a track that was an airbase in the town of Zeltweg. But then they moved it in 1969 to Spielberg, where it is today. Um, in terms of recent performances here, I don't know if you guys remember what happened last year at all. Um, 
but the the top five were Charles, Max, Lewis, George, and Ocon. So out of the past five races here, so this is going to be Max's home race. How many times do you think he's been on the podium here in the past five races? Any well, guess? Red, Red Bull's home race, Max's home races, Netherlands, right? Well, okay. Two. Give me two. Two. All right. I'm gonna go with uh, three. All right, he's been on the podium for four out of the five past races, and three of those were first place finishes, and the remaining was, of course, a second. Um, so he's, and that was only last year, so he's trending downward. He's probably not going to win this one, right? He's going to wind up in third or something like that. Um, so there's somebody else that's been on, so somebody else has been on the podium a lot here. This person, this ra- uh, driver has been on the podium for three out of the five, uh, you know, the past five races. He's had a first place, a second place, and a third place finish. Who do you think this driver is? I'll give you a hint. It's not one of the obvious ones. Esteban Ocon. All right. Go ahead, Doug. Sainz. Uh, it's not Carlos Sainz. It is Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas has, had, has been on the podium for three out of the five uh, past races here. It'd be given he's in a different car this this time around, I you know <laughs> I don't I don't know how likely it is going to keep that streak up. What, what's his trend up what's or down his, right now? His trend, uh, I don't I don't have the the positions in front of me, but I'm guessing way down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's probably uh, on the way down. Um, but yeah, so anyways, this track is called um, the Red Bull Ring. Um. It's uh, also called the Spielberg uh, circuit because of the, the name of the town it's in or the Österreich ring, which literally means the Austria circuit. And uh, it's definitely one of the most beautiful tracks that we've um, that we go to. I mean, just check out this picture. I'm sharing my screen here. Wow. Yeah. So these are the um, I, I, I had the name of the mountains in front of me. Um, I think they're called the Stiegler um, Mountains. And uh, yeah, the track just sits there, and so you have this beautiful view of the mountains behind you. Yeah, um, so it's like foot foothills of the Alps. I was I was looking at it in the on the map uh, before before we recorded. I mean, because it's not it's not really near any major city. Mm-hmm. It's re- it's really very far out there. Yeah, absolutely beautiful track, and it's a kind of an interesting uh, track shape too. Um, so this. Before we go into the track shape portion and the track cloud shapes portion, um, this this track has had a few different layouts throughout the year. And uh, since its first iteration has shrunk, it's shrunk by almost a mile since the first iteration. But throughout all that time, it's kept, kept the same general shape. So we'll go into uh, figuring out what do we think that this track looks like. All right, so we got the the map up on our screen, and uh, there's been some debate about which orientation to look at the map in. Uh, but that's one thing that we uh, we talk about every week is that uh, you could look at this map, these maps in a whole bunch of different ways. So, Remy, what what do you think? What do you think about which which is a proper orientation? I guess. Yeah. So the the way that we're I I don't know that there is one that's proper. I mean, we're looking at here at the F1 website. So I guess if you want an official orientation to look at, the F1 website would be the place to get it. The way that they have it is it kind of looks like a diamond. Uh, with a big dent taken out of it. It mm-hmm. does not, if you are looking at this and you see a whale, if you definitely <laughs> see a whale with a flat bottom and you are looking at this in the wrong orientation, right? So you have to kind of uh, rotate it, not a full 90 degrees, but about 45 degrees uh, counterclockwise. And that's the way that the F1 website has it. Or just make things easier and go on the F1 website itself and see their track orientation. I heard whale as a as a definite description of what this could look like if you if it's oriented in a slightly different way. D- Doug, do you do you see whale? What do you think? What do you think it looks like? I definitely see whale. Yeah, it kind of looks like a solid whale. Like the vineyard um, vineyard vines whale specifically. Mm-hmm. I'm also seeing a mix of a binder clip. Mm-hmm. A stapler. <laughs> I really like a combo, stapler. just two separate, two separate. The 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 handle at the top is like the old stuff, like the handheld stapler. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and then the binder clip has the little clip folded down. Mm -hmm. I can see it. It's kind of, uh, to me, have you guys ever seen the, the Nepalese flag? Yeah, where it's, it's basically not a square, uh, but it, it's basically two triangles on top of each other. It kind of looks like someone tried to draw the Nepalese flag blindfolded to me. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Especially because I think the, the 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 top triangle is a little bit smaller than the, the bottom triangle in the flag <laughs> as well. So this does match. Yeah. Yeah, this is not my greatest one. Um, and then if you kind of flip the map upside down, um, it looks like a tooth to me. So it's got these two like protruding, I don't know, like the the root part that goes into the jaw, I guess. So that's that would be the bottom part of the tooth. I don't know. It looks like a tooth. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I've got I've got a bit of a, an abstract one this time, although I guess you could say all of them are always abstract. <laughs> um, I've got somebody punching a pillow. <laughs> okay. I, I could kind of see that it's, it's it's pillow shaped and it's got like an arm, you know, going through the Indented middle of the pillow. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so this is and you is... said that that's <laughs> jumps to the top of the list for me. Yeah. Second to whale. Second to whale. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the more the more unique ones that we've had, and it it, it paints a picture. Well, that's why I wanted to make sure we uh, cl uh, clarified the orientation because I think that when you when you rotate it even forty five degrees, then you when you, then you completely lose it. But the pillow works very well in this angle. It sure does. So now that we all have a, a thorough understanding of the the shape of the track, and there's, no one's going to have to look this up because we've painted such a beautiful mental picture for them. Um, so when I was updating my my stats on you know length of the track and uh, number of turns and number of DRS zones, I was kind of we just had the Canadian Grand Prix and I was kind of struck by how similar this track is to the Canadian Grand Prix from a, a you know stats perspective. Um, so it's basically got the same crowd capacity of the, as the Canadian uh, circuit. You can cram one hundred five thousand people in here. Um, the laps are 4.3 kilometers or 2.7 miles. And if everything goes well, they'll do 71 laps for a total of 306 kilometers or 190, uh, miles. And there are a total of, uh, 10 turns, one of which is, uh, named after Nikki Lauda, uh, for any, uh, R Rush fans out there. Uh, he's a famous Austrian driver. Um, there's another turn that's named after, um, uh, their their local beer uh, Schlossgold, uh, which I think roughly translates to Gold Castle, if my German is uh, you know treating me right. Um, so that that's kind of fun. They've got basically got the equivalent of a, a Budweiser turn in there. Um, but there are three DRS zones, and different from the Canadian Grand Prix this week, they have three separate detection zones, like they they should have. Um, and these are going to be uh, very short laps. This is kind of a short uh, circuit. And the first half of the lap is defined by uh, very basically top speed. It's, it's very fast. And then the second half is going to be defined by turns. So it's like you have a, a couple long straights, um, and then you, you, you get put through a series of you know windy, windy curves. So agility will be more of a factor for the second half of the lap. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting when I was looking up some, um, when I was doing my track research, it was redesigned at some point for safety concerns. But one of the accidents that happened here that I thought was interesting that wasn't necessarily because of a deficiency of track design um, was that in 1987, a McLaren car that was racing around this circuit collided with a deer that got onto the track which I guess is a downside of building your tracks, you know, so close to the mountains and so close to the forest. But anyways. No, a deer, <laughs> a female deer. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, uh, ah! <laughs> he came through my windshield. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if they had the halo, then, you know, no worries because, uh, you know, that's, that's the um, solution to uh, a deer hating your car. Anyway, so I think it's going to be a good weekend. Um, and just as a reminder, this is one of the few sprint weekends <laughs> of the of the um, the season. So, anyways, I think we're going to have a, a good time.
All right. So now we have a thorough understanding of uh, of the track. We've gotten all of our Austrian history, and we've touched on the fact that Red Bull Racing is an Austrian-based team. So that leads us into our next segment um, that Doug is uh, is continuing uh, from last week. So I'll I'll pass it off to you, Doug. Thanks, Paul. Uh, continuing with our segment, uh, helping to build our knowledge of the sport of F1, F1 for dummies by dummies. As a reminder, the goal of this segment is to incrementally build our understanding of important F1 topics uh, that contribute to race dynamics, performance, or health of the sport. Our second segment kicks off with the history of Red Bull racing. Uh, but we're first going to start with a pre-segment quiz. Uh, and ultimately, let's <laughs> test how well you learn from prior podcasts before we jump in. I'm ready. How long has Red Bull Racing been in existence? I'll accept seasons or the starting year. Uh, oof. Oof. Oof, duh. Um, I think that, well, I mean, this is, we're going back to like, I don't know who their first drivers were, but like we know Sebastian Vettel drove for them. We know that Mark Weber drove for them. Um, that success. Yeah. So I don't sure. agree with the way you say his last name, but I'm going to say, that. I'm going <laughs> to say this is their 18th season. All right. Solid guess. I'm going to go with, um, the Red Bull racing has been around since 2004. Wow. So straddling I'm saying, the I'm answer. 2000, I'm saying 2006. Uh, straddling the answer. It's Oof. 2005, 19 seasons. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Each other out, Paul. That's yeah, pretty that's good. quite good. Yeah. That's why right. we're a good team here. That one, <laughs> that one is not necessarily prior knowledge. This one is, though. How many championships does Red Bull Racing have over that time span? This is a combination of drivers and constructor titles. If you know the amount of each, it's bonus points. Um, I want to go with, uh, 12 total. I'm going to go with 11 total and I'm going to say it's seven driver for constructor. You feel like these are pure guesses though? No, I feel, yeah. I, feel I feel, I feel, I feel pretty <laughs> good about it. So Verstappen's Verstappen's at what he's, uh, this is going to be his third, right? My point is we did a whole segment on dominant teams before and walked through this already. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we have good memories <laughs> so 11 championships is right what did hey. you say for constructor titles i said uh four constructor titles and seven driver ch championships five and six darn last question that right what's the longest streak for red bull and who's it with uh what like winning like in terms of winning championships? Drivers' titles. Vettel. Yeah, he's definitely won three. Uh, I don't know if they've been in a row. I'm gonna go with three or four. I'm gonna go with three. I'm gonna say three two. For Vettel. Four. Four. Ten to twenty thirteen. Oh no! Five so years close. after they started. For 2013 four. minus 2010 is three, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, history at the forefront of our minds for two, two reasons. Uh, first of all, Red Bull Racing has clearly been the most dominant team this year. And as we learned from Paul, this is also the home track of Red Bull Racing. Dietrich oh, Mateschitz founded Red Bull in 1987. Someone can fact check my pronunciation. I did not look it up. So I didn't I, hear it the first time. Can you say it again? <laughs> Matt, I'll just say the name that you care about hearing, which is Mataschitz. <laughs> uh, founded Red Bull in 1987 and saw extreme sports and event promotion as key to marketing his new energy drink. Uh, he was previously a Formula One sponsor for Arrows and Saber uh, and acquired an underperforming uh, Jaguar racing team in 2005. 
There's also another team uh, that Red Bull owns. We won't be talking about them. Does anyone know who that team is? What, another Red Bull team? Um, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who was the principal when Red Bull Racing was formed, and what was he known for? Uh, 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 I know Horner became the team principal uh, after the first or, uh, after the first season. Yeah, I don't so really it's not know. Gonna be Horner. I know that I've, Helmet Marco is always in the background, but I don't think he's ever been a team principal. I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, uh, I don't know exactly where you got those facts, but you're wrong. Uh, it is Christian Horner. Oh, he was the team principal from day one. He was the team principal from day one. Wow. Uh, so, so then I guess it depends on how you question. define day one. So to answer your second question yeah. in terms of what's he known for, he's known to be <laughs> for being married to uh, Ginger Spice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's there's three then. Well, actually, fine. That could be that could be the main one. He's also the youngest F1 team principal. He was at the time he was the youngest F1 team principal to ever become a team principal. Very cool. Um, and then, just for fun, do either of you remember the prior name of Alphatari? Uh, this would be uh, Toro Rosso. Very good. Very good. Very good. Crushing it. Rosso, not Rossi. Oh, <laughs> oh, damn. Oh. Early progress was slow. It took them five years to to have uh, 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 to win a title. Depends on. I don't know if you think of that as slow or fast. I kind of thought of that as fast. Uh, first kind of strong finish was a David Couthard, uh, who finished third in the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, but ultimately, the key to the emergence of Red Bull Racing as a leading player. Uh, was the arrival of and- Adrian Newey, uh, who is the chief technical officer of Red Bull Racing today. Uh, so in 2005, November 2005, at the end of that season, or mid- maybe midway through, uh, Red Bull Racing hired Adrian Newey, Newey, and he was a very successful technical director at the time. The next 11 years... Uh, they start Red Bull started with a Ferrari engine, a Cosworth engine, uh, and then for 11 years, exactly. Uh, And then for the next 11 years, Red Bull was powered by Renault uh, and came, and that's really what kicked off its kind of uh, age of dominance with Sebastian Vettel joining in 2009. Um, Ultimately, there was a shift to 1.6 liter turbocharged engines in 2014, uh, and for and ultimately, Renault kind of started losing its its power, and that's when uh, uh, Mercedes started taking over. And ultimately, Red Bull moved on from them. If you remember, uh, in the last four or five years, to Honda. Um, before we get into a little bit more detail, though, where did Adrian Newey come from? Uh, like in terms of country? Oh, he's a technical was... director prior to Red Bull. Where was he the technical director for? I don't know. It could be for another racing team. He could have been like an aerospace guy or something. Okay, okay. F1, F1. Come on, people. Okay. McLaren. Let's go with McLaren. <laughs> why, why, Remy? How do you say McLaren? Just total guess? Uh, because historically, Doug has asked questions in which McLaren ends up being the answer after the fact. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's solid so logic. I'll go with that. It's so predictable. So I pulled this question out specifically to highlight this must be why McLaren sucks. It's been written in the stars since 2005. Ripped Adrian Newey away from McLaren. McLaren won one championship since then in 2008, which was likely off the last remaining remnants of Andrew Newey or Adrian Newey. And ultimately, has not done anything since. So, this is a great example of stealing a quality, important, key person racing. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, they could steal him back, though, right? Uh, they haven't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I was a betting man, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't put my eggs in that basket. <laughs> you don't think so? You don't think Zach Brown's got the? Uh, no, Zach Brown. Got... <laughs> Brown is more likely to hire like a. Uh, I don't know, advertising guy. Yeah, I really wanted to see what Doug was going to pull out there. I was going to say like, uh, a, a rock band to come up with a. I was going to say a rock band to come up with a theme song for them. Yeah, he is a marketing uh, good dude. Anyway, all right. So as I touched on, the relationship with Renault broke down, uh, and ultimately, uh, their engines were rebranded as Tag Heuer's from the twenty six uh, the twenty sixteen season. Like after the uh, watch company, yeah, which was well, very interesting. Yeah, I didn't, wow. I didn't realize that actually. Uh, and then around this time, Max Verstappen was promoted from the sister uh, Toro Rosso, now AlphaTauri, uh, and uh, ultimately was the kind of backup driver to uh, our beloved Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, who won seven times during his five seasons with Red Bull before he moved on uh, after Red Bull uh, clearly viewed Max as kind of their leading horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bull switched to uh, Honda engines in 2019, uh, and Verstappen's uh, three victories that year ultimately included a home win at Austria, as, uh, uh, as Paul alluded to earlier. Um, Verstappen ultimately uh, was such a podium regular after that uh, that he finished only outside the top three once in 2020 uh, and uh, uh, putting retirements aside. Teammate, however, at the time uh, struggled heavily to get grips with the car. Despite two third-place finishes and an uncharacteristically patient approach from Horner, we know that guy is uh is uh impatient he was dropped at the end of the season and replaced by sergio perez leading to what the current dominance we've seen last couple years my last remaining question before wrapping up uh this little history is who was max's teammate struggled so much they replaced him with sergio perez i think it's albon ding ding is correct yeah yeah and uh who knows maybe at the end of this year we'll have uh sergio perez get kicked off and they'll replace him with danny and then we'll just, it's just full circle that would be that would be amazing i i had a friend text me uh, on this topic i had a friend text me this week good close friend big, big fan of the pod big mm-hmm. supporter shout and out he, to this uh, close friend Shout out to him. Yes, yeah. uh, he's from Canada, um, and he uh, yeah, and um, he said, "Do you think that Red Bull regrets not keeping uh, Albon and replacing him with Perez?" I don't know. I mean, because Albon, Albon didn't he spend a year out? He he didn't immediately go to um, Williams, right? That is. <laughs> Um. Yeah, he didn't immediately go there, and he he spent a year away, right? Um. So I, it's probably like a mental health thing. I mean, I think Danny struggled just from a mental perspective while he was at Red Bull too, and that was all probably a reason why he left. I mean, I think it's just like a tough space to be. Well, th- there's a very in- easy answer. To, uh, like, I mean, uh, Perez has the the nickname Minister of Defense because mm-hmm. of, you know, some of the, the the work he did against Hamilton in what, 2021, was it? So I think without Perez there in 2021, there's no chance that uh, Verstappen wins his first title. Mm-hmm. So for that reason alone, I think uh, certainly mm-hmm. they, they will never regret having replaced uh, uh, Albon with Perez. I must be missing it, but like what's the, what's the argument for them being uh regretful for albon I, I, well, I don't know if you've heard albon actually drove almost an entire race last year on one pair of tires <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, he, and he just got sixth place or seventh place which is pretty good uh yeah I, I i i don't know perez has just kind of been underperforming a little bit over the past few races 
I think it's a bit reactive of a question, if I'm being honest. Um, but okay. I just wanted to bring it up in this forum because, uh, you know, such a such a loyal listener of the pod asked it. So I saw something yeah, I I, some someone on uh, I think it was Reddit on one of the might have been like the Formula One subreddit, but they had listed. I think it was the average qualifying position or average finishing position for each of the drivers. And if Max is, he, he's got some average of, he's at the top of the list with an average of like three point something. But Perez, there was a lot of people in between him and, and first place. I mean, partially because of mechanicals and the car breaking down this year, it's not all his fault. But at the same time, like when he ha- has had an opportunity to do well, he hasn't really, you know, he, he's still, there's something there that's not getting him closer to Max. Uh, there's something holding him back. But who knows? There's a lot of season left. Yeah, sorry, sorry there, Doug. We kind of commandeered uh, your segment segment hey, there. For we're some talking about Red Bull. <laughs> it's all good. This is a good good conversation. All right. Well, thanks, Doug, for the you know walking us through the the history of Red Bull. I feel like I do I did learn a lot today. Um, and now on to everybody's favorite or least favorite as we just had a quick offline conversation about syllables uh, portion of the podcast where we wrap up, wrap it up with haikus where we spend little literally minutes uh, developing haikus. So Remy, what's your issue with the haiku? Well, after last week's developments with the, with the whole fire and wildfire conversation, I went and did quite, quite a bit of research and, Ended up devolving into into quite quite a bad state there for a few days. I mean, I really just just lost lost my mind, and I decided at the end of it that the only way for me to get out of it is that I have to make a major life change, <laughs> and that major life change is that I've decided to denounce the syllable as a viable unit of measure for pronunciation. Uh, <laughs> what I am going to do now is measure everything myself uh using the remy syllable which is very similar mm. to the syllable but it's all based <laughs> on logic uh so for example <laughs> if i ask you the question how many syllables is the word higher that is a question that you would not be able to answer without getting a clarification but if you if i asked you the question how many remy syllables is the word higher you would get a definitive answer of two so I will now be writing Remy haikus, which are raikus, but the R is silent, so they're pronounced mm. haikus. I will now be writing Excuse haikus me. using the Remy syllable. I will not be taking questions at this time. Let's can you ha- can you help me understand what uh, would need to be clarified? I think In you have way. everything. You said you need to clarify. You need clarification. To, to answer it in the normal syllable way. I'm not sure what clarification you would need. You have everything okay. at your disposal so, to do it. So, so, Doug, how many syllables are in the word higher? Two. Ooh, incorrect. I was actually talking about the word higher, which is spelled H-I-R-E, which uh, only has one syllable, just like the word fire, which is spelled F-I-R-E, which is the word that led me into this whole spiral that I would love to emerge from. And I'm now getting out of by <laughs> d- officially denouncing the syllable. So Remy syllable. That's not an issue with syllables. That's an issue with the English language. That's bare and bare and and fair and fair. That's just that's a clarification that you have to make no matter what. No, but those are all the same amount of syllables. They're, they're I would all, I care about words, the syllable. Those are all. Why would I care about the sy- Why would I care about a syllable if I don't even know what word you're using? Remy, can we can we go back to your example for a second? Is the H I G H E R is that one syllable or two? In in how about in Remy syllables? How many syllables is that? In normal syllables, how many syllables is that? It's two and in, two. In normal syllables, it's two, and in Remy syllables, it's two as well. Okay, and you're saying and the, it's it's different H-I- when you yeah H I R E higher like you hire somebody that is only one syllable, but higher and higher. Are homonyms. They're pronounced exactly the same, uh, but one is one syllable and one is two syllable, two syllables. And so for me, that means that uh, the syllable is no longer viable as a uh, unit as measure for pronunciation. Can I ask you a question? 
if 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 uh so so ultimately the remy syllables take into account pronunciation only so if you have an accent you're from the south and you pronounce a word with an extra syllable even though it doesn't have it you might have a different remy syllable count just so everyone knows you might have a you could you have to know which accent you're using when you're speaking in remy syllable language because that can produce different amounts of syllables depending on the accent you're using for everyone's knowledge well well it's funny that you should ask that because the other word that sent me into this spiral last week was the word wild which i think that us three each pronounce as a two-syllable word we each say wild no doubt about it but i think the only way that it could possibly be classified as one syllable which is what it is is if you pronounce it very much like you're from the south and you said wild you know <laughs> like if you pronounce it like that then then at that point we I just lost it's... all of our southern listeners <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think at that point you could tell me that it's one syllable but i don't think that you could say that but now we have to, so now so there we have to clarify the remy syllables as well just in a different way no you don't i am just purely informing the audience that my haikus which of course are spelled with a silent r at the beginning for Remy haikus, but no longer writing just a normal haiku. Just informing everybody that my haikus are going to be using my own syllables from now on, and that's the end of that. So why don't we get to it? All right, so we've been spending, as always, literally minutes developing these haikus. We kind of, uh, we start with a different person each week. Who wants to be the person to go first this week? Never mind, Paul. All right, so this is just to confirm. This is Remy syllables that you're using. Exactly. Yes, and, I would say I would say most of them will end up matching uh, to a T a normal haiku as well. And I think this case it does. All right, what do we okay. got? In mountainous Alps, Red Bull Ring rises above. Whale of a good time. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Whale of a good time. Yeah, that's good. I like it. The solid haiku. Yep. All right, I'll, I'll go next. Um, the sound of music. Lederhosen and Dirndl. Not Bavaria. All right, I'm getting some nods of approval. <laughs> oh, I was waiting. Honestly, I was waiting for more. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bavaria is like a, a whole slew of uh, syllables in normal syllables. I don't know how many it is in Remy syllables. It could be different. That's four. Yep, pretty That's good. Usher <laughs> Bavarian, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, all right, Doug. Okay. Bring us home. Austrian mountains. Hills are alive with car sounds. Red Bull is loudest. Hey, I like it. <laughs> the, the hills are alive with car sounds. That's good. It's solid. You, you didn't say the, right? You said hills are alive, right? You, Yes, very good, Doug. Nice job. Well done. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, cool. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Good job, guys. All right. Well, with that, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Views from the Safety Car. I hope you learned a little bit about Austria. I hope you learned a little bit about Red Bull and everything in between. So we'll. Um, I think it's going to be a good race weekend, and we'll catch you in the next podcast. Bye.